Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. Okay, Acts 6 verse 8. This is about Stephen. And Stephen, full, everybody say full. Of grace and power was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it were called, and the Cyrenians and the Alexandrians and of those from Cilicia and Asia rose up and disputed with Stephen. Now, I want you to make a note of something here. These synagogues were the synagogues that Hellenistic Jews tended to belong to because they were filled with diaspora immigrants. All right, remember last week we talked about Stephen being a diaspora immigrant as some of the Hellenistic widows were being left out in the ministry of the food program. And so what happens is Stephen gets appointed to become an administrative deacon to lead the food program. But what we probably know about Stephen is that he is a converted Jew from one of these synagogues. So imagine Stephen grows up in Sunday school in one of these Jewish synagogues, and now he converts to become a Christian, and now he becomes that church's worst nightmare because he's converting all of them, even some of their priests. All right? So here's what's crazy about this. That, That means that Stephen and Paul may have been childhood friends. Which, which is kind of crazy considering the fact that Paul oversaw Stephen's stoning. Didn't Jesus say, I'll turn brother against brother? So, that, so you, you got the context? We're going to keep going. So it says, but they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. And then they secretly instigated men who said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. Who's that sound like? Accusations of the Pharisees against Jesus. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and they came upon him and they seized him. They unjustly arrested him. They brought him before the council. They set up false witnesses. Who's that sound like? Jesus, whenever he went through this. And he said, this man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law, the Bible. uh, For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs. Oh, God forbid we change the culture. Don't be changing my culture, Christians. Right? Changed the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like an angel. Can you imagine being like Stephen and being accused, lied on, and unjustly trialed in a rigged, uh, tried in a rigged trial? And everybody watching was like, his face like an angel. Can you imagine the person that draws the little pictures in court? I wonder, wonder what that looked like, you know? Okay, so we don't have time to read all of Stephen's sermon. So we're just going to jump to verse 54 in uh, Acts 7. It says, now they heard these things and they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. Hello, demons. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven. He saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and they stopped their ears and they rushed together at him. And then they cast him out of the city and they stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet, of the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, similar to what Jesus said, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. He died. So the title of the message today is this, Stand Up Straight. Stand Up Straight. 
You ever seen that movie, Bend It Like Beckham? I've never seen it, but I know it's on Netflix. Uh, this sermon is Stand Up Straight Like Stephen. Just stand up straight. Okay. Amen. Okay. Um, so here's a subtitle. Here's a subtitle of the sermon. What does it look like to stand up straight like Stephen and preach Jesus in an anti-Christian culture of compromise fueled by the demonic deception? No, let me read it slower. I'm just joking. What does it look like to stand up straight like Stephen and preach Jesus in an anti-Christian culture of compromise fueled by demonic deception? That's what we're going to learn today. You good? All right, let's dive in. So we learned about Stephen last week. We know he was a deacon, and historians tell us that he was martyred between the age of 28 and 32. So he was not an old man. He was a young man. But quickly after being commissioned as an administrative leader of the church, he begins to move in apostolic-type ministry, which is so great for us to know because he, as the first non-apostle, begins performing apostolic-level miracles. Scripture says that he was full, everybody say full, of grace and power, and that he was doing great wonders and signs among the people. The reason, church, I say this is good news, is because we now all know that anybody who is full, everybody say full, full of the Holy Spirit can perform miracles, work signs and wonders, and move in grace and power and wisdom. You don't have to be a senior pastor to be powerful in the Holy Spirit. Everything that we see Jesus doing, everything we, de we see Stephen doing are manifestations of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And if you have the Holy Spirit in you as a new covenant Christian, you can do what Stephen did. It's so important for us to recognize this because we all have grace. So let's talk a little bit about apostolic style ministry in the midst of a demonic culture. These religious synagogues, like I said, they probably raised Stephen and they saw what he was doing as evil, which I don't know if you know this or not, but the culture sees what we're doing as evil, right? I, I, we talked about identity a few years ago and we were talking about the difference between um, a gospel identity and uh, a secular identity. And today, if you were to examine the mind of the secular identity, when we tell them you need to be saved, they would point to us and say, you're exactly what's wrong with the world. The only thing I need to be saved from is the idea that I need to be saved. Because I'm allowed to do whatever I want, whenever I want, and nobody's going to tell me any different. That is a secular way of thinking. So when you look at how Stephen is preaching and you look at how we must preach the Bible and say there's only one way to God and that is through Jesus, should we expect any different treatment than the way the culture, particularly the religious culture, responded to Stephen today? We need to know how to do this. I hope nobody in here um, gets stoned. That doesn't really come out right. But like <laughs> as a martyr is what I mean. I, like, I just don't really know how to compute that. But, like, because it just sounds weird. Um, but I hope nobody gets martyred, you know. But I can guarantee that we're probably going to experience at least the first step of the persecution playbook that the, Pharisee, or that the religious people uh, executed against Stephen, which is confrontation and argumentation, right? How many of you guys have experienced that this week? For everybody who didn't raise their hand, you haven't been on Facebook. So, 
So Stephen, he'd become this outspoken Jesus follower that was converting people from the culture. He was converting people from other religions. He was converting some of the leaders from other religions. And what he was doing was threatening their beliefs, threatening their culture, threatening their customs, and also threatening their sense of power. That's what's happening. I mentioned a persecution playbook. I'm not gonna get into every step, but the first thing that you see they do is they rise up and they dispute Stephen's words. They first confronted and they argued with him, and then finally, uh, at the end, they cast him out of the city and they stoned him. Like I said, I don't know, and I hope not, that none of us experience that level of persecution. But if we do experience pushback, confrontation, and arguments, can you handle it? Can you, and I'm, not, and I'm not talking about having a combative personality. Because some people here are like, heck yeah, I can handle it. I ain't got no problems. You know, I, I want to argue. Some of y'all just wake up, just. I wish somebody would. You know, and I, I, I get that. That's not what I'm talking about, all right? I'm not talking about that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about a personality trait. I'm talking about. Having the supernatural ability to respond to real persecution. Even if that is confrontation and argumentation. If you are going to stand up straight like Stephen, you're going to have to do three things. The first thing is you're going to have to be full. Everybody say full. If we're going to stand up straight in the midst of an anti-Christian, post-Christian culture that is fueled by demonic deception, the first thing that we're going to have to do is we're going to have to be full. Now, we know last week uh, the apostles gave a very short job description about who could be a deacon. But if you continue to read Acts chapter 6, we learn more about Stephen. In verse 3 it says, Stephen was of good repute, he was full of the Spirit, and he was full of wisdom. Everybody say full. In verse 5, it says he was full of faith and he was full of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say full. And in verse 8, it says he was full of grace and full of power and he did great wonders and signs. Everybody say one more time. So you see eight characteristics that the Bible gives us about the first deacon and the first martyr of the church named Stephen. Six out of the eight says this. He is full. If we're going to stand up straight in the midst of the culture, you must be full. Full. You have to be full of the Holy Spirit. You have to be full of power, full of wisdom, full of faith, and full of grace. If you are going to stand up straight like Stephen, you must be full. Being full of the Holy Spirit allows us to be full of wisdom, faith, grace, and power. And when we're full of all these, we'll do great signs and wonders as well as have a good reputation. To stand up straight, we've got to be full. Now, one of the things I think that we do as modern Christians is that we tend to take for granted the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because if you grew up Pentecostal, I grew up Pentecostal, if you you grew up in church, the baptism of the Holy Spirit has always been available to you. Right? You're like, man, I've, I've, I've always had access to the Holy Spirit. We tend to take it for granted. Like, do you know that God has chosen to live inside of you? And we're like, yeah. But if we were a part of the early church, do you know how grateful we would be for the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Like every time anybody talked about the reality that God has taken up residence on the inside of you, it would be a praise party. Why? Because as they reviewed their own history, they saw only on occasion that a few special men were given the grace to be filled with the Holy Spirit, like just a couple. 
And then now, because Jesus died on the cross and resurrected on the third day, the Holy Spirit has been released without measure to his church. And after all of this history of only being able to have the Holy Spirit work with them or work upon them for a reason or a season, now the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of them. Can you imagine how grateful the early church would have been for the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I think this is the reason why Paul's like, I speak in tongues more than all y'all. Because he was, he was grateful. Man, I got the Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit lives in me. Just speaking in tongues. All the, this is amazing. They would have been so grateful that they could be spirit-filled. And I think that today we kind of look at the Spirit indifferently. We're like, yeah, 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 man, I got baptized in the Spirit when I was a kid. I spoke in tongues. It was great. But it's so important that we have the same measure of gratitude as the early church and the modern, modern church for being Full. Everybody say full. full. Being full of the Spirit, wisdom, faith, grace, and power. For them wasn't grandma's old dead religion. It was new, it was fresh, and it was precisely what God was doing in the moment. And I, I'm afraid to say this. I think maybe we, as the modern church, have lost the tenacity of Stephen to be filled and to stay full. Fullness of the Spirit is actually an underrated, overlooked facet of church leadership. Instead of looking for people who are full, we are looking for people who are influential. How big is their platform? How full is their spirit? Are they filled with God? Are they in the secret place? Do they care about prayer? Are they pursuing the Holy Spirit saying, I need to be full? My influence ain't going to get me by when I go through persecution. I can't look at Satan and hold up my Instagram followers. You don't know, I'm, yo, I'm Christian famous. The devil don't care about how Christian famous you are. Are you full or not? Are you full of the spirit or not? That, that, that's the first thing. If we're going to stand up straight in the culture, we're going to have to be full. And we're able to stay full of the Holy Spirit by staying constant in prayer. Now, if, you, if, you, um, if you're Pentecostal, you're like, that's the best point. Amen. If you're reformed, you're like, hold on, wait, I got some work to do. Now, if you're reformed, you're like, you're going to love the next point. And if you're Pentecostal, you'll be like, dang, I got some work to do. Because, yes, first and foremost, we need to be full. But secondly, we're going to have to be something else like Stephen. You know what that is? Wise. We're going to have to be wise. I didn't say smart. You got to let the phones be smart. We got to be wise. We have to be wise. And Stephen was wise. Some of us have be become more obsessed with being clever than we have being full of the Spirit and full of wisdom. We now know Stephen was full spiritually, but it doesn't mean he wasn't smart and he was more than smart. He was wise. I didn't read you guys all of Stephen's sermon. Do it for homework. It's Acts 7, verse 1 through uh, verse 53. It is the longest sermon recorded in the entire book of Acts that was preached not by an apostle but by a deacon, which I think is pretty cool. And you will see that it is essentially flawless. How was he able to do that? Because he was full of two things. He was full of the Holy Spirit and he was full of wisdom. And the Bible does not say that it was the wisdom of the Spirit. It was wisdom and the Spirit. Look at verse uh, 10 in chapter 6. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the Spirit with which he was speaking. It's not like he got so full, like, I, 
you know, praying in tongues, whoa. And then he got up and he's like, the Holy Ghost just hijacked his body and gave a word. No, he was filled with the word of God. He was knowledgeable. The Holy Spirit had something to pull out of him when he was put in a situation to be pressed. And that's what wisdom is. It's knowledge applied rightly and in the right moment. And so he was able to speak with wisdom. And even though he didn't start the fight, he was able to respond so masterfully, not only because he was able to operate in God's supernatural power, but because his rhetoric was saturated by God's matchless wisdom. And being full of the Holy Spirit allows us to be prepared to be filled with wisdom. Now, one of the things about Roman oratory in this time, uh, I went back this week and I looked at some historian perspective as it pertains to argumentation in the culture. Because I don't know if you guys have noticed this or not, but our culture is very good at arguing. You, got, you guys let me down on that side. So, so I don't know if you guys have noticed this. You, you, guys, you guys did it well earlier. But our culture's really good at arguing. Would you agree? So here's what's, cra- here's what's crazy. Um, it was uh, Lucy, I think Lucian. I think that's his name. He was like a, he was like a, a writer uh, back, back in the day. And here's what he said about the rhetoric at the time in Jerusalem, that it was violent. Right? And so if you look at our culture today, people will say, words are violence. Right? And there is, they looked at it as being violent. And he even described the argumentation that was taking place. And he said it's shameless, prompt lies, jealousy, slander, and the hatred of everybody. And, and that was the way that they argued. And so these people that confront and begin to argue with Stephen, these people are not like they don't know what they're doing. They're very skilled orators. In fact, they are so skilled at debate and argumentation that they would use these strategies and tactics to kind of disprove you in public. And yet Stephen, who's just a deacon, stands up and gives one of the best masterful, wise sermons in all of the New Testament. And as a result, even the smartest religious people on the scene just sat with their mouths open. They couldn't respond to him. So we are made wise by the help of the Spirit as we give ourselves to consistent study. See, you see what I'm saying? I didn't get a lot of amens out of that one. It's like, we got to be full. Amen. We got to study the Bible. Surely there's a lot over here that informs us of how we're to do this over here. Right? Like, as charismatics, we always grill the traditional people. You know what I mean? It's like we just, if you'd get more full, you could really have church. You know what I mean? And they're like, if you'd get more wise, people would come back to your church. (laughs) Thank you, Brian. You know what I mean? So we need both. They're not at odds with each other. We, we have got to become ambidextrous people. You know, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, it says, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So we got to become ambidextrous. And you know what that means? John 4, 24. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. We, we've got to be both spirit-filled. we got to be full. we got to be tanked up in the Holy Ghost. 
but we also got to be wise. We got to have knowledge. We got to study. We got to dig into the word and rightly divide the word of truth. And we got to be well-learned people. This is what is required if we're going to stand up straight in the culture. You know, one of the things I believe about the future of the church, it's going to feel similar to the past. You go back, you look at the book of Acts, you see what they were, see the spirit of it, see the structure of it. I think we're going to see more of that. And I think it's important that we learn how to become ambidextrous. Last thing. Remember I told you it was three things. We're done. The first one was you got to be full. Number two, you got to be wise. But here's number three. You got to be a forgiver. Remember I said it's not about personality trait. I'm not talking about dunking on people. That's right. My theology is better than your theology. That's not what I mean. You're dumb. You're wrong. Can't believe you'd believe that. That's ridiculous. Look. I mean, that's what those people sound like in my head. Um, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says this, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Get this last part. Yet, do it with gentleness and respect. We've got to do it with gentleness and respect. It's important. We've got to be forgivers. Whenever Stephen was being persecuted and stoned, what did he say? He fell down to his knees. He said, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. Don't hold this sin against them. Yes, I, I think if, if, if we have the right theology, yeah, I guess we're right. But God's called us to be righteous more than he's called us to be right. We've got to be righteous. We've got to be forgivers. We've got to be people who carry the spirit of Jesus, especially in the middle of a post-Christian culture. So just as a review, the three things, be full of the spirit, be wise. And thirdly, choose to be a forgiver. That operates in gentleness towards others. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's stand up straight. Lord, we say thank you today for your word. Lord, I ask that you would do more than inspire us today, God. I ask that you would impart something into us that would bear fruit immediately. Lord, I pray and declare that every single person that leaves this room today or is watching online, that as church, the, the, the event... We are the church, but as the event is concluding, um, Lord, I ask that you would allow us to leave here changed. That's why we come. We're thankful for fellowship with one another and with you. But God, we want to be made more into your image. And so I ask you, make us gentle and humble in our spirit. Make us respectful. But also give us a backbone, Lord. Make us stronger. Let us not outsource, um, you know, arguments or debates or to just other people oh that well-known person will debate that person I don't I don't need to no we need to know the word of God and we want to know your word God we want to know your word we want to know your word we're hungry for your word and if we're not make us hungry and Lord fill us up we want to be filled by the Holy Spirit we want to be filled by power and wisdom and glory and everything that you have for us and we receive that today in Jesus name and everybody said the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.